and we're back with another episode of the Give Me the Money podcast with your boys, the Cuzos, Joe and Connor. Joe, how we doing? Chilling, brother, chilling. We got a lot to talk about this week coming, coming yeah. up. So tonight Big we're recording uh, tonight, Monday, January 25th. Uh, and the episode will be out in the afternoon tomorrow, being Tuesday, before the Super Tuesday college basketball slate. Uh, but we're going to do a little bit of recap of the NFL conference championship games yesterday. Uh, got some NBA news, Nets trade rumors. Talk a little bit about how the conference standings are shaping out and the teams that are hot at the top of each conference making runs. Some surprise teams that maybe we've touched on before, but we'll get to that in a little bit. A little bit of the big men in the MVP race, one from each conference. Uh, a couple other things. On the NBA front, we'll do a little bit of recap on college basketball betting from this previous week. A couple different uh, overview topics of NCAA, a little debate of the best conference in the NCAA this year. And then we're going to – a couple other different news newsworthy things to talk about in college basketball. Then we'll go over (laughs) – Tuesday slate and the Wednesday slate for college basketball this week. And if we have enough time, get to a little bit about hockey, but let's start off with the conference championships. So we had the Bucks take down the Packers The Bucks. It felt like the whole, pretty much the whole game, the Bucks had it on lock. Yeah. That's what it felt like. They just came out balling yesterday. Yeah. And the one thing I was I was thinking, didn't say to you or text anybody because I didn't want to jinx it because I had the Bucks yesterday. But when I think the turn, like the turning point in the game, was the Packers giving up the touchdown in the last seconds of the first half yep. to Scotty Miller, and kind of had a little bit of feeling of that Jets blitz when they were playing the Raiders. Even though it was a, it wasn't a full out blitz every man and just leave each of the safeties on an island, but it's still it like it was noteworthy enough because I feel like uh, with Tampa Bay going up twenty one to ten going into halftime gave them enough of a cushion where they kind of subdued the the Packers offense storming back in the second half and enabled the Bucks to kind of get away with Brady throwing like three picks in the second half or two picks yeah. in the second half. I think it was two picks in the second half. Yeah, but he didn't look great in the second half, but their offense got enough going and, and their defense was the real reason why they won the game. The defense, Bucks defense looked fucking incredible. Yeah, it did. It looked fucking crazy. Rodgers also missed that play towards the end of the game where he could have ran for the touchdown instead of fucking throwing it. Yeah, fucking 20 yards. I could have drove 10 pickup trucks through that fucking hole and fucking scored. Got a walk zone. Yeah, and then also he missed Devontae Adams on a couple of uh, touchdown opportunities in the first half. Think yep. back-to-back plays in one of their earlier drives where they ended up, I believe, kicking a field goal to get them to 10 points at yes. that point. Bro, the, Packers, the Packers of the uh, – Certified themselves yesterday with that loss. Certified themselves as the Notre Dame of NFL. Yeah, you can say that. Also, another interesting tidbit of information that Tom Brady now has as many uh, NFC Conference championships as uh, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Yep. 
Yep. Wild. Yep. One year. Like one year. All they do is play fucking 15 years each. Yep, it's ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. I'm shocked. No, not really. It's going to be not great. Shock. No, that's why I didn't bet against Tom Brady. You can't bet against that, man. It's really tough, too. Yeah. You saw that. Yeah. You saw that the hard way. Yeah, I fucking lost. Yeah, I and then, uh, so I guess, got anything else to say about that? That game? Right, let's go. Let's go. AFC Championship where the Chiefs uh, pretty much whacked. The Bills. They smacked. Who, they showed who the who the daddy was. Yeah, first time, first time the Chiefs covered in the last ten games. They had a nine-game streak and not covering the spread, and they actually looked like the Chiefs that we all expected them to be this season. But they were just kind of waiting, as we've said previously. They're just waiting until shit got real and they needed to play well. Yeah, they were just bored. All yeah, they yeah, so bored. And the Chiefs' offense was. Running on literally all cylinders, like they couldn't do oh, it wrong. Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill went bananas. The running backs ran well. They got uh, Edwards Alaire back. He got in for a touchdown. Kelsey scored two. Uh, uh, what's his name? Williams, the other running back, the rookie, I think, or no, he might not be a rookie. I don't know, but he just came on the map. Oh, wasn't really on the depth chart uh, mm-hmm. much till the playoffs. He got in for a touchdown. Uh, they, 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 it was just impossible. Like the Bills, they had the work, their work cut out for them. You know, it's it's tough to beat, tough to beat this, uh, this Chiefs team in this run. They're they're the new dynasty in the NFL. Oh, one hundred percent goals in a row. And what more can you do on the other side of things? The bills, yes, they got outplayed, but they were playing the best team in the NFL. Oh, 100%. They were in the best team in the NFL. And they're a young team with Josh Allen. Now, what is it? His third, this was his third or fourth year. I think third. Oh, Allen. This is when this was his, uh, he was what, in the 17 draft. I'm pretty sure. Or the 18 yeah. draft. And it was with the draft with Donald, like the big QB draft of late. Yeah. Still pretty sure it was there. Whatever. Fight. He's still he's still young. He's like a year or two younger than Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yes, I would be mad if I was Bill a part of the Bills Mafia, but you they have a lot of upside and their team's built really well. They have an incredible defense. They have Josh Allen. They found a great pair for him with Stefan Diggs. Uh, like the future, pretty much the future is just looking bright for them. But they got there was the one game where Kansas City actually pulled their shit together and played phenomenal on both sides of the ball. The offense didn't look like it was fucking around till the fourth quarter. So that's a, that. It's a tough team to beat, but uh, also we really didn't need Bills Mafia to tear down Buffalo. We didn't need another city burning to the ground in the past 10 months. So that's one positive thing of the Bills losing. Mm-hmm. But 100%. so there's been a lot of talk in the sports world today on like ESPN and other media outlets about Eric Bieniemy not getting a head coaching job. But here's so here's my thoughts on that. I really think so. All the openings that we've had recently, Houston Texans, not a good option because Deshaun Watson wants out. Yep. I don't want to coach the Jets. The Lions, they're, they're a crapshoot. 
Uh, and then, like, really the other teams, like, I wouldn't want to be the Jaguars coach. They filled it with Urban Meyer. We'll Which I think, that goes. Yeah. I think that can be pretty good. We'll see how ultimately it goes. They're going to get – unless they – they smoke their whole front office smokes some crack before the draft. They'll take <laughs> uh what's his face? Trevor Lawrence. But I think the real reason why B enemy hasn't gotten a head coaching job, he's more than qualified, has been the offensive coordinator behind the best offense in football the last three years. A huge part of why the Chiefs have been this good. Oh, one hundred percent. I think he's just waiting for Andy Reid to retire because he's been he's been in Kansas City for a while, had other coaching stops. He's up around probably in his upper sixties right now. He's looking old. I think, given say another like three to five years, I think it's worth waiting out Reid's coaching tenure and just sticking with such a loaded team because it seems like the like one of the reasons why teams are so good is because. The guys get along well together. Mahomes is a really good leader, even though he's like 24, 25 years old. But what about the chemistry at the end of the day? Yeah, but he has like – they have it all together, and the guys love playing together. They have a loaded offense, which the enemy wouldn't have in any of those other situations we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. the other couple openings that we didn't mention wouldn't have the same firepower on offense, so he wouldn't – I still think he would be a great coach, but it wouldn't be he wouldn't have the same opportunity for success given the fact that he does like without those weapons on offense. And the de- like where, wherever he went, the defense it would be like he would be going into a rebuilding process. So I think just waiting it out is a smarter move because he's building his resume even more. And say Andy Reid doesn't retire in that window, and there's another opening that has a better foundation for him to walk into. I think that's a much better move for him. I agree 100%. Why the hell would he want to get off of a team right now where you have, playing, you have the best quarterback in all of football, you have the best offense in all of football, and you're going to be competing for a Super Bowl year in and year out for the next 10 to 15 years? Why would you want to leave to go to some bum team that wants to go and, you know, in a rebuilding phase? Why would you want to so, so look at I would say like the the next closest comparison to this coaching situation is really uh, is really New England with their offensive coordinators with uh, Josh McDaniels who's chosen to stay there and with uh, who's the last uh, the uh, Lions coach that got fired the defensive guy oh the uh, Matt Patricia yeah Matt Patricia but like you see. Uh, Daniels didn't want to leave. You see, uh, uh, Matt Patricia go to a different situation and utterly flounder. Like he just wasn't, it didn't work. I'm not saying the enemy is a much better coach than I think either of those two, but just for comparison, like you see what happens when from going from a dynasty, one coach doesn't want to leave probably the better move. And then one coach that does leave and it doesn't work out for him because he doesn't have that same culture, that same system, that those same caliber of players underneath on that team he now goes to. So I think that's the whole reason other reasons other media sources have been putting out I don't think are, are really that viable. Yes, those pose – there's some race issues. There should be more African-American coaches in the NFL. But 
I think if Bienemy wanted to coach somewhere, he would be coaching right now as a head coach. Yeah, yeah I'm talking about that. I feel like it's downright his choice. Yeah, it's his choice. I don't think, you know, I'm tired of this being a racial thing, to be honest with you. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. No one's saying that he can't coach in the NFL. No one's saying that. It's his decision at the end of the day what he wants to do. I think that whole, all those arguments are just needle movers. It'll draw more viewers, get more people talking about, like, they got us two assholes talking about it right now. It's just, it's, it's the age of the internet where there's like hot topic issues such as race or other things are what get page views and clicks on websites, get people watching programs and stuff like that. Oh yeah. 100%. But all right, let's get on to some NBA news. We got, uh, we got a little Nets rumor, Jason Dumas, not really sure who the fuck he is, but, he had reports that the Nets were in talks for JaVale McGee and also exploring uh, getting Kevin Love in trade. So I texted you once I heard that. Uh, well, my buddies texted me about it. I had no idea because I, I had some shit, uh, some shit going on earlier today. But uh, so I think JaVale McGee would be a huge get for the Nets. So as I said the last, uh, last week or so with – the Harden trade and moving Jared Allen, they're incredibly weak and have no depth at the center position or big man position. They're pretty much, they're running DeAndre Jordan, who's really not looking that great. As I've said in the past, he shouldn't be starting. He'd be a great bench center, even though you're paying him 10 mil a year, but whatever. He's now the de facto starting center. And then you have Reggie Perry, who's a rookie, 55th pick in the draft you don't expect the 55th pick in any system or on any team to be getting much burn yep and he's kind of been thrown in the into the fire like he's really he's not he hasn't been doing bad by any stretch of the imagination but i think for a team making a playoff run you really don't want to have such a young guy with little to no experience he played two years in college you don't want that sort of guy uh running up and down the middle and logging big time and they've been throwing Jeff Green in the center position in stretches but here's where downright I I like I would ra- much rather have JaVale McGee move than uh, a Kevin Love move for a number of reasons A JaVale McGee would fill the the holes and the weaknesses of the Nets right now being uh, big man depth, rebounding and defense Oh, 100%. Where Kevin Love, he's been injured a fuck ton the last yeah. four years. He, I don't even know the last time I saw him on a court, to be honest. Yeah, with but also, the way he the way he's transitioned in his career, he's no longer – he's lost a ton of weight, so he's not banging down low like he was in Minnesota, banging low, grabbing rebounds with the outlets. He's playing a lot on the wing, and he's he has a hell of a jump shot. But in the last several years, like think the years with LeBron, he was pretty much just playing on the wing, mm-hmm. like spot up in the corner. And although that's not necessarily the best use of Kevin Love, he, Kevin Love doesn't address the concerns. Like the Nets have enough offense already. They need, in order to make this a true con- team, a true contender, they need defense and rebounding. They're the highest scoring offense in the NBA, average points per game. They have. KD can be like he's a really good defender with his length. He blocks shots, and then the ta- the tandem of DeAndre Jordan and JaVel McGee would be fucking incredible. 
a lot of block shots, a lot of rebounding. The two of them don't command a lot on offense, but with Kyrie, Kyrie with the ball, Harden with the ball, two great lob targets. And they plug up the paint kind of and say with Kyrie or Harden being matched up against like a quicker guard, like say Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, someone who could get past them because of how far they shoot, could shoot the rock away from away from the basket. Then you have them coming over and help and either jumping into help, but they could also recover with their long wing spins and kind of take away, say, a DeAndre Jordan or Reggie Perry sliding over and then one of those guys tossing a lob to the center. So that would be a huge get on uh, for them. But also, who the fuck would they put in the deal to get Kevin Love? Because they would have to match his salary. He's make, he's under he's on a four year hundred twenty million dollar deal. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. all right. So it's not another forty million year guy, but that's still thirty million a year. The Nets mm-hmm. traded all their picks, all their young guys that have large enough contracts to be able to match the salary. Otherwise, the the team would be skin and bones. It would just be DeAndre Jordan and the big three pretty much, and then, like, a couple other guys, depending on who they would be able to keep. So yeah. I don't see that happening, and it just it, – it doesn't it doesn't make sense to get Kevin Love. It doesn't fill a role. It just – like, they would have to give two another big pieces that, that, that are good complements to the big three. And, like, they would likely have to give up Joe Harris because, other than that, he's the next biggest contract that, like, 15 a year or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it just doesn't make sense. They would be losing way too much and not getting enough back. And then you'd just be adding another guy that's prone to injury. Hasn't suited up. I, th- I think he's played like two games for the Cavs this year. If albeit, that, they don't, albeit they don't need him because they have a fuck ton of other bigs and yeah. a lot of young guys. So it makes sense for them to feel out the younger guys, have them get burned, but it's not a good move for the Nets. And Speaking on the Nets again, they finally got a win uh, Saturday night against the Heat team without Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, probably the two best offensive options. And that game shows, even though they really didn't have, they had, they were running with Dragic out of bio and Duncan Robinson out of bio had fucking 42. That just got like, it shows you the Nets really mm-hmm. need to make a move and get another big man. That's where they're going to lose it. Yeah, go to the finals, to get a team without two of their best three players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Barely, they won by like six or eight points. Didn't cover the spread, and they, I, I, I'm not sure what the score was going into half, but the Nets were for the entire first quarter were 0 for from three, like 0 for 14, and in the first quarter they were held to 15 points as the high scoring offense in the league. This being tonight, like their second matchup against the Heat. So, like, that big men need to dressing. So, we got uh, one thing I want to talk about the MVP race. Not the overall MVP race right now, but the two big men who are really got their names in there in Jokic and Embiid. Jokic leading the league in assists just short. He's at like nine and a half or so per game. Averaging ten boards, twenty something points, mm-hmm. straight under a triple double, which nobody's talking about, and Embiid's putting up ridiculous numbers for a Sixers team that's the top of the East as of right now. 
Mm -hmm. So all right, here let me let me pull up the uh, standings right now. I think it's Philly one, Boston two. Yeah, wait. Let me see if I could. Sh yeah, here. I sharing the. Can you see my screen? Yep. All right. So we got uh, Philly up top, a game and a half ahead of Milwaukee, two games ahead of the Celtics, two and a half again in front of the Nets and the Pacers. And a lot of that's going to change because we got a lot of games uh, tonight. And then uh, the last three teams in the playoff picture as of right now, Cavs at six, Hawks tied with the Hawks, really, record-wise. Although Cleveland has the edge in the conference, I see. And then the Knicks at the eighth spot. But the Knicks – and then it's really close. We got – Four, three teams that are seven and nine, so a game behind the Knicks, and in the Magic at seven and ten, so a game and a half behind the Knicks. So it's going to be, and then we have the Heat, who haven't. It's such a disappointment so far. Yeah, but I think partially COVID injuries. So once I think it, uh, Jimmy and uh, Tyler Hero, they're out with COVID protocols. I want to say. Yeah, so no, once they get a rolling. I mean, we saw them go to the final, so you like to think that they'll actually get uh, a chance to like get things rolling, and they'll make a. They're like a more experienced team, and they're deeper than every team in front of them. The Raptors, I think the like the Raptors are a bigger disappointment in my mind because they haven't had any, any COVID issues this year. They're having Chris Boucher is leading the league in player efficiency. They have, uh, what's it called? Uh, OG Ananobi's having a career year across the board, and he yep. wasn't even a factor in their championship win against the Warriors because he was he was out with uh, some fucking injury for like the last five six weeks of the yeah, playoffs and stuff. Uh, so I think they're the biggest disappointment right now because they have they've developed a ton of young guys. Norman Powell came into his own last year, and they have Lowry and they got they picked up Aaron Baines who can't fucking shoot the basketball to save his life, but stand him. Yeah, but that's been up the last couple of games. Yeah, he's picked it up, but like that's what happens. You go to a new situation, you go cold. He was injured at the end of last season, so uh I don't know. That I think that's uh you could chalk that up to why they're not doing well, but they're also not they're not dead in the water. They're not like the Pistons who are three and thirteen going through a rebuild. And so let's switch. Let's switch gears and go to the Western Conference real quick. So one stat I heard over the weekend: the Jazz are leading the league in three point percentage. I believe makes as well, and they also have a really good good defensive team and part, like I attribute to their three-point success to getting Bogdanovich back because he didn't play in the playoffs last year and mm -hmm. I think he would have been a needle mover that probably could have got them past the Denver Nuggets because it would have been another another weapon on offense because you have Mike Conley great defender great floor general uh Donovan Mitchell you know what he could do he's proven himself to get better and better each season and then Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, they're kind of like small ball combo four, who's a good defender. He matches up against the bigger 
like a bigger wing that they're playing against. And even though he's undersized, kind of feels like a PJ Tucker sort of role. Yeah. But a little bit of more uh, offensive repertoire. Like he can kind of go off the dribble. And I think he's a better shooter, not just in the corner where PJ Tucker kind of is limited to. And they got fucking Mr. COVID in the paint. Yep, sir. They got Derek Favors back from his one year sabbatical with New Orleans. <laughs> and he's like slowly creeping up their all time uh, rankings in like blocks, rebounds, a lot of like dirty work statistics. Then you got the Clippers on the other hand. You got playoff PP, Paul George playing well. He's in the, he's in the MVP race right now. Actually, put in looking at it, he's putting up MVP numbers. You oh, got yeah. eyeball and killing in the mid range. Let's let's check out their stats real quick. So, yo, ever since they got blown out by Dallas by like fifty something earlier this year, they've been just straight balling since then. Straight absolutely balling. That game was without, without Kawhi, and they needed a little jolt to like, all right, wake the fuck up. So. Kawhi's leading their team with 25.9 points per game. Serge Ibaka, 6.5 rebounds. Kawhi, 5.7 assists, which I think might be a career high for him. Uh, but that just goes to show you they're give, they're running the ball. like Their offensive initiators are Kawhi and Paul George and not Pat Beverly, which is a smart move on their part. Kawhi, two steals a game. Serge, one block a game. Then you have Paul George averaging 23.9. Six boards, uh, two, uh, three tenths fewer assists, a steal, and half a block a game. Mm-hmm. Averaging four turnovers, chalk that up to him having the ball in his hands more rather than last year where he was kind of playing like a JJ Reddick. So I think they're looking really good. They got a Bach averaging 12, 12 points, Mark, Marcus Morris 10, Batum 10 came out of nowhere because he was injured and getting no burn. Then Lou Will having a little bit of down year, nine a game, Kennard eight, Pat Bev eight, Zubak eight, and then down to their other guys. Mm-hmm. So they're and, – and hopefully they'll get to be where – and we'll get to see the Battle of L.A. in the conference finals. Oh, I hope so, bro. I think it's going to happen. Hopefully. Hopefully, bro, because, I mean – The Jazz Jazz look like a real fucking good team. And like we saw what they could do last year. So with Bogdanovich hopefully back, barring injuries, God forbid. So I don't root for any players to get injured no matter who the fuck they are. I don't care if it's a player. If I were a Jets fan rooting against Tom Brady, I don't root for anybody to get injured. But then we got Trailblazers actually playing well. They're sitting at fourth in the West. Uh, Lakers, of course, we know what they could do. LeBron ball and AD going crazy. Schroeder having a fucking year. Mm-hmm. I love Memphis. You know I love Memphis. Yeah, Memphis is really looking good. Memphis is sixth. Denver fifth. Phoenix Suns playing really well. And I know you didn't hit the last week on your Devin Booker over on threes for the game. Yeah, that, that was a chop of the Bulls right there. Yeah, that that's tough, but he doesn't have the weight of the offense on his shoulders because Chris Paul makes their entire offense work more seamlessly. That just goes to show you what Chris Paul means to a team. Even though Chris Paul oh, doesn't have typical Chris Paul numbers, but their offense just looks so smooth. DeAndre Ayton 
putting up career numbers thus far this season. Crazy efficiency. Devin Booker becoming more and more efficient. He was really efficient last year, but stepping up because of uh, Chris Paul. You have Mikael Bridges actually playing well. Cam Johnson shooting the lights out. And overall, they just look like they're a young team minus Chris Paul, but they have a lot of nice young pieces, and they could do some damage. And then the Spurs are back in the playoff picture. And then uh, the Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors are tied for nine, at, both at eight and eight. Mavs are a big disappointment. I think my big disappointment in the West right now, they don't, they don't look at it all. They're like 23rd in offensive efficiency, and they set a record last year for – like the most efficient offense in the NBA in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look. Well, I think it ended up being like percentage points behind the Warriors. The year, uh, the I forget if it was the seventy three and nine Warriors or the the first year with KD. But, yeah. but no, I mean like they've been in such a disappointment. KP still, yeah, he just came back off his injury, but he's a one fucking band aid. Always has been. Oh, Korea. Yeah. Oh, also one thing I want to say about the Lakers, they're they're also having uh K- KCP shooting 57% from 3 and Caruso shooting 50 52-53% from 3. So that's something to watch out for. Plus their addition, we didn't mention Montrez Harrell with them. Like they're fucking they're loaded. fucking loaded, bro. They're loaded. I can really see them going back to back. Yeah, I mean they're, they're obviously a little bit of a harder able, road than last year though. One hundred percent. Yeah, the Lakers are undefeated on the road. Their four losses are at home, mm-hmm. which is surprising. But it's not like a true hole. It's like not a true it's really home. But the the road being undefeated on the road is much more impressive to me. Oh, one hundred percent. You got anything else on NBA wise? Right? No, that's it really. That's it, really, you know. All right, so let's move on to some college hoops. So just to start out, uh, half hour in so far, just to give you time frame. But where – so on, on the week I went uh, for college bet. Overall, I went 28 and 13 on basketball. To, I went 27 and 12 on college basketball. In the week, up a lot of units, college basketball. Yeah. A lot of units, probably like eight or nine units on the week. A lot of boxes of Monogotha, you're up, put it that way. A lot of a lot of that. A lot of that. Yeah, so I just want to bring up a couple things uh, before we get into our best conference in the NCAA Division One. But Florida State, as I talked about, finally ranked. They're sitting at 18. They're playing, I believe, tomorrow against Miami. Uh, but about time they're fucking ranked, and they've been without Scotty Barnes, their best player who's going to be a top-five pick in the draft. Oh, yeah, 100%. He made Kate Cunningham at Montverde Academy in high school. And it just goes to show you that their defense is for real, and they have enough other pieces that once Scotty Barnes gets back in back into the fold, that they're going to be a legit team because they've made their run without Scotty Barnes. I think they're mm-hmm. on like a four-game winning streak or they're like one four out of their last five, something like that. They beat yeah. Louisville two Saturdays ago. Uh, they smoked Clemson. 
on uh, two days ago, most recent Saturday. Had a couple other good wins. Otherwise, not huge caliber opponents, but still good wins, good ACC conference wins. Oklahoma State looked like they were going to hang around with Baylor on Saturday without Cade Cunningham. But then Baylor, remember they were Baylor in the second half, ended up winning <laughs> 15, 16, something like that. But without the consensus number one pick in the draft, it's to be expected against the number one team, uh, the number two team in the country who's fucking undefeated. Because exactly. Baylor is fucking legit. And I thought going in, I said it was going to be a huge test for Baylor, but I saw Kate Cunningham wasn't playing. And I was like, oh, motherfucker. Because, like, bro, I, A, I want to see how Baylor reacts to like a really good team but also how he plays will play against a good defensive team because that would have been his biggest test thus far this season. Oh, 100%. Memphis is going to make some noise in the dance, especially once K gets back. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting this year in the dance. I'm, 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 yeah, we'll see if they end up ultimately being eligible because right now they're, they're appealing their postseason ban. So technically, because they're appealing, they're technically eligible for the postseason, but we'll see how that ends up going. I... I kind of feel like they'll end up being eligible because I don't think the appeal process will be able to go through by the time we get to March because we're already at the end of January. So given another six, six and a half, uh, well, about like six, five, six weeks till we get to conference tournament season. So I don't, that and with the NCAA having to deal with COVID, I don't think they have too much on their plate to really go through with that process. Um, also Clemson, struggling Tennessee struggling Bama cracks top 10 they're at ranked at number nine right now in the AP polls so the team in the FTC right now hands down um and they're shooting the three lights out and they got a lot of good athletes a lot of good defense uh want to say that uh also I don't know if you saw today but some Virginia Tech player got arrested on uh, like gun charges and some other charges. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> so I thought that was something funny to bring up. Oh, you got they're, they're going on a slide. They're not looking good. I think they <laughs> they're either barely in the top twenty-five or they might have gotten bounced in the most recent poll that came out last night. Uh, and then the last thing I have the only college basketball bet I got tonight: Utah State minus five and a half tonight. That game's literally starting in three minutes. Uh, nine o'clock game, but yeah, what, right. yeah, you took them. You told me that earlier, right? Yeah, I texted you that this afternoon. But one thing I want to talk about: what conference is the best conference in college basketball? So it really comes down to the Big Ten versus the Big Twelve. So on the right side of the screen, we got uh the Big Twelve standings right now. Uh that's a dirty fucking conference. Yeah. Yeah, you're telling me, but like it's ultimately going to be my pick for best conference in the country. But just give me a couple more seconds and I'm getting the Big Ten just so we could have like a side by side comparison. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, let's just start. Let's start running through the the Big 12. Wait, let me just do a tally. So we got four, six teams in top 25 in the Big Ten, and we have six in the Big also 12. six in the Big 12. 
But in the Big 12, Baylor's sitting at the top. They're 7-0 in conference, number two team in the country. Then Texas, 5-1 in conference. They, I think, were on like a little pause or they had opponents that had COVID in the last week. They're num- ranked number five. Oklahoma's gone on a run in conference. Cracked top 25 at 24. They're 5-3. and three. Texas Tech at number 10, 4-3. and three. West Virginia – West Virginia Texas Tech game is about to start on ESPN. That's game I want to watch for tonight. West Virginia's three and three, but they've had uh they played Baylor, they played uh Oklahoma State. Like they've had a lot of tough games so far. And then Kansas at four and four, ranked number fifteen. Oklahoma State three and four in conference. Uh didn't have Kate Cunningham against Baylor. TCU, who's looking really good early, beginning of conference plays, lost a few games in a row, and then Iowa State, Kansas State to round it out. And they're nothing to talk about. No, they're a bunch of bums. So then for the Big Ten, we got Michigan at number four. They, they lost, lost Michigan back in the top five in college basketball. Yeah, they're, uh, they lost their first game uh, on Friday. Or no, they blew. No, they lost earlier in the week. But they, uh, who they blow out? They blew out Purdue Friday. Iowa at seven, at six and two in conference. Wisconsin at fourteen, six and three. Illinois ranked nineteen, six and three. Purdue six and four, not ranked. Ohio State thirteen, six and four in conference. Minnesota four and five. Indiana. Four and five, not ranked. Rutgers not ranked. Four and six, and Michigan State, who you'd like to think that they they do some. They're sitting at two and four, and they're usually a team atop the conference, but also a team to make a run in the tournament. You always you always take teams to go deep. But mm-hmm. one thing I want to bring up: so the Big Ten's just like a crapshoot. Everybody's losing to everybody. Iowa lost to Indiana on Thursday, but then. Indiana lost to Rutgers yesterday in a close one. Really, really good game. Rutgers was ranked earlier in the season, but they've gone on a several-game losing streak. Minnesota's won some good games and then looked really shitty in other games. Ohio State started getting it rolling, and they look really good. And their two losses are to unranked Purdue in conference, two of their four losses in conference. Uh, Illinois needs to pick up. They got their big duo. Iota Sumo, Kofi Cockburn, their their other other filler guys. Noah Iowa, Luca Garza, Jordan Bohan, and all the knockdown shooters. And even the bench guys who only get get like more minutes when they're in a blowout. And they they look like pieces. Like they have a deep fucking team. And Wisconsin, mm-hmm. oldest team in the country. They're the average they're like average age is like something like twenty two years old. They have a lot of guys who are 23 because of transfer, this and that. We're just like older guys uh, on the team. So that's a team to watch going into uh, conference tournament play and March Madness. So give me your pick for better conference because I kind of said mine earlier. Like, I like I like, I like the Big 12. I always like the Big 12. Um, they also got two of the top five teams in the country in the conference. Which is big, yeah. But then you also have but Big Ten, Michigan four, Iowa at seven. Iowa yeah. was four last week. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I it's it's a torso. It's a torso. 
and the fact the fact that Kansas is ranked six in the Big Twelve, they're not having a good year. This is the worst Jayhawk team in a while because they don't have like true Kansas players. They have they don't know who their their go to guy is. They have a oh, bunch yeah. of guys that are good. They have some younger guys and combination younger experienced guys, but they don't have like a Frank Mason, like a real go to point guard. Uh. Marcus Garrett, he's more of like a combo guard, not a true lead guard, which you need as a team that's going to go make a deep run. Like Baylor has Jared Butler. Uh, Texas is loaded. They got Greg Brown, five-star player, probably going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. And he's not even get having a huge productive year because they have a lot of older guys. Jericho Sims down low. They got another older big guy. They got the kid who had cancer coming back. Um, and then a couple other like good guards, good wing players. Not sure who Oklahoma has. Texas Tech, they got Mac McClung, really good defensive team. Team uh, Shannon Jr., uh, number one on the team. He's now played himself into being a lottery pick in perspective draft, uh, mock drafts. West Virginia, you know what they could do. This is their best offensive team I think Bob Huggins has ever had. They're not the yeah, best Virginia team, but they're actually a formidable offense. They're not just going to slow the pace down, something like what UVA does. They could actually score. They could shoot the three ball decently well. This Kansas, Oklahoma State, which we've talked about a little bit so far. But I think if you were to do Big 12 versus Big 10, like, uh, well, we can have mini tournament, so to speak. Big 12 would wipe the floor with them. Wipe oh, yeah. the floor. Yeah, yeah, they would. 100%. So, like, literally, like, let's just compare it. So, each each team, like, that's, uh, like, one, say, let's just go one through six in each conference. Baylor beats Michigan. Texas beats Iowa. Wisconsin will beat Oklahoma. I think Texas Tech beats Illinois. Yeah, unless like they really feed Kofi Cockburn, but I think defensively Texas Tech is too good. Mm-hmm. West Virginia beats Purdue. Oh, I think right the- now Ohio State beats Kansas. And yeah, yeah. uh, what's it called Minnesota? I think Minnesota beats Oklahoma State, but like the Big Twelve is more a lot more top heavy, but a lot more quality at the top. Whereas Big Ten is deeper, but once you get out of, like, really the top three, it's not that strong. So you kind of get, like, we could very well see Indiana flip with Minnesota if they got a couple wins going. Purdue could be ranked if they keep it up, but Purdue could also fall because uh, their best three-point shooter and one of their better defenders, uh, this white kid, I think he's, like, number 31. But he's out, I think, with like COVID protocols. So, and Rutgers isn't looking that good anymore, even though they had uh, Ron Harper Jr. out for a few games. He came back and was a big reason why they beat Indiana yesterday. But overall, I will both chalk it up to the Big 12. 12 being the best conference right now. So, let's get to some games. So, for tomorrow, I'm just going to give you. so I'm going to give you, like, my my picks. Picks I'm almost definitely going to take. I said I have Utah State tonight. 
for the Tuesday slate, I'm taking Tulsa minus two and a half first Temple. I tweeted out over the weekend, St. Joe's is like one in 11 on the season. I'm betting whoever St. Joe's is playing, taking Richmond, even though they're a disappointment. Uh, minus 11, Ohio minus 14 versus Western Michigan, who's like another one, two win team. Drake, the cover machine, 13-0, 13-0 against the spread this season. Back from COVID starting tomorrow after a several-week pause. They're minus three against Missouri State, who's a really good team, but I don't know if I'm going to take that because Missouri State's like nine and three on the season, and it's really hard to gauge how, how a team's going to come back from COVID because they really don't get playing time, uh, practice time because of the COVID protocols and all that. But Drake's going to be a team to watch now that they're playing uh, for covering the spreads. And then Wednesday, I'm taking BYU against Pepperdine, FSU at home against Miami, Duquesne playing Fordham, who's the worst team in the A-10, Fordham, uh, and then Sam Houston State playing against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. But uh, those are just like my little picks. And then we'll get – and here's the more exciting college basketball games, like more of the – Top 25 or like probably like the Ken Palm will say like top 75 teams in the country. We got Texas, number five, Texas, minus five and a half at home versus number 24, Oklahoma. Good for 12 matchup to, yeah, to actually see what Oklahoma could do. Uh, I'm going, I'm taking Texas spread, Texas money line. I'm, uh, I'm hammering them. Me too. Uh, yeah. Me. I, I think they're just too good. I don't think Oklahoma yeah. has like, Texas is just too fucking good. Then we got number nine, Alabama, minus eight and a half at home versus Kentucky. I think Alabama is going to win the game, but I don't necessarily know if they'll cover the spread because Kentucky is so big and long. They have a lot of big guys down low, and they have big athletic bodies on the wing that could really get under Alabama guards and wings skill, uh, skin. And I'm just thinking like uh, – like a Brandon Boston Jr., he's like six seven six eight with like a ridiculous wingspan getting under uh, John Petty's skin. So we'll see how that goes. I I, I like Alabama. Um, I'll just, I would just go money line, but it's probably not even worth taking because they're probably like going to be sitting at minus three thirty or some shit. Yeah, like that. something like that. So it makes you ridiculous lucky money line just on the value. But I like you can't bet on Kentucky this year. No, like garbage. And in the South, Alabama might even have fans, some fans in the stadium because they're you know they're down south. They don't COVID ain't real down there. Yeah, you tell me about it, bro. I'm living it right now. Yeah, you're out in Florida. Florida is like basically an autonomous zone. Then mm-hmm. we got just really? like another top top twenty five team, number eighteen Tennessee at home minus ten and a half against Mich- Mississippi State. Who Mississippi State is, I think, like around like nine and five, eight and five, something like that in the SEC. They're not nothing to shit on. I honestly like Mississippi State plus ten and a half. I don't think Tennessee's Tennessee's look like garbage, so I kind of like that. Agreed on that one. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to take it. I don't think it's – I think it's a decent pick. I think you bet against a struggling team. So let's, uh, let's slide on to Auburn. They're the favorite at home, minus two and a half against number 12, Missouri, who, again, 
they're number 12, but what the fuck have they done? They've lost a couple games the last week and a half, two weeks. Yes, Auburn and got Sharif Cooper back, and they've gone on a roll. They've had a lot of good wins. They're the favorite for the game. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. They're minus two and a half. It's really not that much to cover. Sharif Cooper, he yes, he's small. He's like 5'10, 5'11, maybe, I think, with shoes on. But his court vision is fucking incredible, bro. He throws some like 35 foot lobs to his guys. Even like the one thing to watch is if Auburn can get hot from three, they have they're the team like collectively with the worst looking jump shots in the NCAA. Bro, they look every shot they take looks like it's gonna be a brick. I don't know if you've watched them at all this year, but they look like their jump shots don't look good, but they get a lot of open shots and they have guys who can hit threes. So I like I still like Auburn as a pick for tomorrow. Read on that one also. Yeah, and then Move on to Duke, not ranked again, minus five at home. No no Cameron Crazies in the building, but they're playing Georgia Tech. Not a great ACC opponent, bottom of the ACC. I think it's kind of like, A, it's a must-win game for Duke because they got to get it going if they want any chance of making the tournament. I think if they ra- like rally and get to like stay around like 500 – for on the season and like don't lose in the first round of the ACC tournament, I think they'll make the tournament because NCAA wants Duke in, in March Madness. Exactly. exactly. But also like blue blood states in there as much as you yeah. that. Oh, for sure. Like it's one of their big money makers and mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna, gonna come fucking weird. Because yeah, Kentucky's probably not gonna make it. North Carolina is a fringe team as well. Mm-hmm. They may or may not make it, depending on how they play out in conference play and in the conference tournament. But also, Duke getting Jalen Johnson back. So their last last game I watched of Duke's was playing Pitt, and Pitt was up early. Pitt's a pretty good team, and Jalen Johnson had he was like he had like twenty four points, like 15, 16 rebounds. He was their go to guy, and then fouled out with two minutes left in the game. Duke ended up losing. But they had gotten back within like three or five points after being down like 16 and looked like they were going on a roll to to win the game had Jalen Johnson not fouled out. But getting him back, they're starting to look like starting to get their shit together. I think they're a solid bet for tomorrow at minus five. Then, and Wednesday, we really only have three noteworthy games. Uh, As I said, Florida State. Uh, sitting at number 16, finally fucking ranked. They're at home. <laughs> at home, Florida State, obscene record at home since 2016. Stupid, bro. Yeah. I think they're around like 78 and like five. Something crazy like that. Yeah. And they're playing Miami, who decent team, but Florida State is really that fucking team. They beat Louisville. They smoked Clemson, who was number 18 when they played on Saturday. I like spreads aren't listed yet for Wednesday because it's still early. There's still so I saw there were some games for Tuesday that spreads weren't listed, but I'm taking Florida State spread. And if the money line's not ridiculous, like if it's less than 250, I think I would take that as well. Oh, 100%. 100%. Pretty much a lock for them winning, you know. You got to depend on it, see what the spreads would be. Probably release them tomorrow. 
Yeah, they'll, they'll be out by like mid, like late afternoon, early evening tomorrow. And then we got Ohio State versus Penn State. Ohio State number 13 at home versus Penn State, who's had some decent games before their last week and a half. Ohio State's going to win outright. I think – I would imagine the spread's probably going to be around like 8, 9, 10, around there, maybe even a little more. Uh, I'm taking Ohio State. They're fucking – they're fucking rolling. Yeah, me too. Ohio oh. State, that's another lock. And then we have uh, Paul at home versus number 17, Creighton. Got, they got Marcus Sigurowski, their best player, their go-to guy back. Uh, and he kind of propelled them to victory on Saturday. They were playing uh, – I forget. They're obviously someone in the Big East. But yeah, going with Creighton – I don't. I would take the money line. I don't know. I don't think I would. T- I think if the, the spread's probably going to be decently large. Seton Hall is one of the better non-ranked teams in the in the Big East. Yes, they are. Probably sitting at like fourth or fifth in the Big East after Creighton, after uh, Villanova. Uh, that's I think really it in the Big East. Honestly, yeah. they're, not, they, they're probably third in the Big East right now. Yeah. It's not Big East isn't playing that well this year. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. So, Joe, let's talk. Let's talk some golf. We wanted to. Uh, last week ran out of time. Last uh, when we recorded last Monday, so I'm gonna pull up some golf. Like, look at some golf. Pull it up on ESPN. So I texted you. When was it? It was over the weekend. Uh, I yeah, Saturday. I'm like, yeah, Max Holm was my new favorite golfer just because heard him on a couple podcasts. He fucking boozes. Yes, he does. And he ended up winning the tournament this weekend for his first PGA uh, win ever. So that's huge. No, I think that was second. No, it was his second. He's a young kid that way. He's like, he's 30 years old. Is he? Yeah. Huh. I never heard of the guy, to be honest with you. Until you, when you texted me that on Saturday, and then he won on Sunday. I was I got the alert. I was like, Jesus Christ! I didn't know this. Yeah, uh, but he was. Um, I heard him on part of my take in like October, November. He was a cool interview. That was the first time I heard of him. And then I, I was listening to Mike Studs' podcast because he was the guy that had Johnny Manziel on. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to the Johnny Manziel one. Because uh, right now the two of them have a crib out in Scottsdale, Arizona, where Max Holman and a lot of other golfers are based out of because of the beautiful courses and all that. Like, good place to really work on your craft if you're a golfer. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, but they also had, like, some of the Boston guys, Dana Beers, Zillion Beers guy, uh, Caleb Presley, who was the uh, leader of morale when he was backup quarterback at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting dude. Pretty sarcastic. He's like has a very sarcastic brand of humor. So it was an interesting conversation. They just had Max Homa pop in, and it's interesting because Caleb Presley is now training to be a pro golfer. He has a new uh, he has a new golf line on Barstool called Fifty One Strokes because his handicaps his handicaps now fifty one. Oh my god, that's he's that's been playing so golf for a couple months. 
That's so bad. And so bad. So Max Homa, the like part of the reason why he's also a cool dude is because he he rates people's swings on like Twitter and YouTube and shit. He has a big uh, social media internet presence. So he he's like a cool dude because he like really interacts with fans. That's another thing I like about him. And he said about the Barstool guys that Caleb has the best swing out of all the Barstool golf guys. Even though he's <laughs> the best golfer, he has the best looking fluid swing. Better than uh, uh, the Barstool guy Riggs, who was one of the main guys to get Barstool golf off the ground, do the Barstool classics. And he Riggs played golf at uh, Harvard when he was in college. He graduated in like 2009, I think. Uh, so like kind of interesting to see. Like interesting tidbit of information. Tiger just went underneath the underneath the knife again for his back. Yeah, that's kind of surprise, honestly. He wasn't playing well anyway. So not really probably better for him to just get fully healthy and not sure what the recovery time is, but hopefully he'll get back at it. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's ready for the masters, to be honest with you. He's gonna take that's down his goal, bro. You know that's his goal. Yeah, like he's gotta be ready for the Masters. Because when know? when's the Masters gonna be? Because I know they moved it in like when was it October? It's usually in the spring, right? Yeah, it's usually in um like April. Uh, yeah, April. Usually in April. It's back in April now. Yeah, I mean, it's shortest diff, diff, uh, shortest time between Masters ever. So yeah, I'm that, excited for that. Honestly, there's a lot of funky things going on in sports. No, oh, yeah. Because of COVID. Like, there's some uh, conferences in college football that are playing spring seasons. <laughs> Jackson State, coached by primetime. Yeah. They're probably going to be good. Like, it's weird to see – going to be weird to see, but to see how he coaches. He has a hell of a staff, a lot of former NFL players, a lot of good football minds on his staff. They got a lot of recruits. Some a lot of high level transfers as well. Yeah, no, they're yeah. gonna be an interesting team to watch for sure. Yeah, how prime time is gonna be as a coach. Well, it'll be good for to see how like get a year of coaching under his belt before he gets the uh, his t- like gets a full season playing in normal football conditions, playing with the rest of rest of divi- like the rest of like big time division one. Even though they're, mm-hmm. at, I think they're an FCS team. But interesting to see because he's stolen guys like re- top level re- recruits, whether it be normal recruits coming out of high school, like a lot of like top five players at positions. Like you got safeties, got some top JUCO players as well, top transfers from all the big schools like the Georges, Alabamas of the world. Yeah, because he's a guy who knows what it takes to do perform at the lo- at the NFL level. Oh, it's prime time. Who the hell doesn't want to be a coach? Martin? Exactly. So he's a great recruiter. Well, he's already proven to be like in in the realm of like a Nick Saban type of recruiter, a Dabo Sweeney type of recruiter. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be interesting. You put that team on the fucking map. That's what's gonna happen. You got anything else you want to talk about? You want to check the NBA schedule for the next few days? Yeah, we could do that. Let's talk a little bit of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, tonight we got, like... I'm watching the Brooklyn game right now. It'll yeah, I got that on my TV as well. It's close one. Oh, uh, fucking center, bro. Yeah, we got 
Uh, right now, LA uh, Lakers playing the Cavs in <coughs> Denver playing. Well, up seventeen in the first quarter. Jesus Christ! Got Denver playing Dallas, and Golden State playing Minnesota. Like see how Steph Curry does. That's at ten. Uh, Dame and Portland playing at ten as well. Not national TV. Then we have Tuesday. Clippers playing Atlanta, Atlanta, uh, and then Paul Paul George and Kawhi are out due to COVID tracing tomorrow. Uh, so I think that that actually might be good for them to get like Lou Williams going, to see him with the ball in his hands more, get his mojo going, and then Knicks are playing the Jazz, uh, nightcap tomorrow. Bro, do you see how they have? Oh wait, it's in Utah. Jazz has fans. That's why I was about to like be like, "What the fuck? How the fuck are they selling tickets?" <laughs> On Wednesday, the big matchups: Indiana playing Charlotte. Uh, Detroit, uh, it's gonna suck. Yeah, that's gonna be a crapshoot. Uh, oh, playing the Hawks. That's something to watch. Uh, Denver, Miami, Lakers, Lakers, Philly game of the day. 100%. I wish that was the 10 o'clock game, to be honest. Dude, I don't mind it because, like, the 10 o'clock games, half the time, I don't even want to fucking watch it, to be completely honest. Yeah, the um, lateness of it. I understand that. Yeah, it's I Don't get me wrong. I enjoy watching, having sports on till like, 1 in the morning, but I feel like those games don't really have the same – like, they're not as exciting for the most part, at least so far this season. And yeah. Hockey playing Toronto, Boston playing San Antonio – uh, Phoenix is playing Oklahoma City, and then Jazz versus Utah at nine. Yeah, it's gonna be another interesting game. Yeah, so we got a lot of the a lot of the NBA teams that we've talked about that will be playing uh, over the next two days, and we got as as we said, like some more good games tonight. Yeah, it's a couple good games on. Yeah, Miami game is looking good with Brooklyn. Yeah, close game. Eight minutes left. In the <coughs> Brooklyn with a one point lead. I honestly, think, I wish I wasn't a Nets fan because honestly, for the foreseeable future, I would literally just bet the opposing team's spread plus whatever against the Nets till they start really getting it going. Uh yeah, that's really all I got, Cuzzo. Yeah, Cuzzo, this is a good one. Yeah, but all right. I guess I guess now it's time to wrap it up. We've been going for like an hour, ten minutes as of right now, ish. And uh, yeah, I guess that's all for now. We'll be getting the episode out. Add a little music. Have a little fine tuning with the audio. Get a little bit more editing under the belt. I mess around with the software. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but now this is real episode three. Uh, give me the money podcast. It's your boy signing out. Let's make some fucking money. Let's make some fucking money.